funny how? It'd be funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. like uh we could be like what was that the muppet show where we have a word of the day a word of the day is transcendentalist that's the word you want to use um do that's I, the word of the fucking day do we have to spell it uh no we're not spelling it. guys we're not spelling it that that is the word if you need to know how to spell it look it up i don't know what to tell you yeah transcendentalism um, is like like okay like it has something to do with like german philosophy right Immanuel kant etc but like it also is like Ralph Waldo Emerson, you know, that's transcendentalism. And then Paul Schrader wrote, you know, the transcendental film. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think I'm out of my depth here. I don't know what the fuck it really means. Yeah, me either. But the beauty of something, if I'm understanding this correctly, guys, the beauty of something like transcendentalist is you can just kind of talk about it in broad terms and everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, it's kind of like existentialism. Yeah. Like it's like, Oh yeah, you're having an existential crisis. It's like sure, that fits the bill. <laughs> like or like uh, irony, you know. Like I feel like yeah. you said that before about irony. Like it can mean whatever you want it to mean. Yeah, I used to say like what all the time. I'd be like, I'd say, oh, this is ironic. And then if I was with someone like who, who like my wife, for instance, who would be like, no, it's not. I'd be like, you don't know the definition. Nobody knows the definition <laughs> of irony. Um, uh, I'll tell anyway. you this I'll push back on the irony thing but transcendental you know or existential I don't fucking know yeah no I agree it's it's very uh, I, I don't know well guys the reason we're talking about transcendentalists is because today we're talking about a uh, French director Robert Brisson anyway before we get to that guys you know who we are Jonathan Jacob uh, Jacob how's it going give us the condensed version and lie good <laughs> <laughs> perfect um a a better answer has never been given to that um yeah i mean that's the condensed version and it is a lie yeah it's perfect yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. i just didn't i didn't expect you to listen to me <laughs> um, so <laughs> anyway yeah so uh robert bresson is um i prefer the way i pronounce it first but i'm not going to continue that bit because it just sounds i'm sure it sounds terrible in headphones mm-hmm. anyway uh, he's your director, uh, another fucking French guy. You know what? I'll spare you guys my feelings on this whole fucking thing. Why'd you pick him? No, please go ahead. I I think if the listeners really like are kind of wanting anything, that you know they're wanting to hear you <laughs> shit talk the French again. I think that's. I think that's- Dude, I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to shit talk the French. I'm just going to say in one of these movies we're discussing, a classic from 1956. What's happening in the film? I only disagree with half of it. So disagree with half um, of it. Yeah, I clearly disagree with Nazis. Obviously, okay. Like, you know, any anybody in their right mind would disagree with Nazis because they're, they're they were terrible. Um, but I do, however, agree with imprisoning the French. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I hey, this I, is I a st- this is a stop to watch sides. situation. Yeah. So. But why did you pick him? Why, why did you pick Bresson? Do you just want to talk about him? Like, we've, we've discussed one of his movies before about the fucking donkey. Um, so, 
Why did you want to talk about him? I wanted to talk about Bresson because, um, you know, I, uh, I'm i really interested in him as a filmmaker. I think he is definitely a, a giant artist, obviously, of, of of cinema. But I also, but I wanted to, you know, I don't know. I just wanted to uh, talk about him in kind of a, an unserious context uh, because a lot of the stuff you read and the stuff you think about or stuff you, you hear, you know, talked about Bresson, it's all very kind of hushed tones and, you know, very uh, intellectual. And I, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to have uh, a, just a, a normal ass conversation about his movies and kind of what he's bringing to the table um, as a director. And especially because, you know, I, I don't remember early, I don't remember what episode it was, but early on, we were either doing like an essential art house or a six pack or a double feature. I don't remember what it was, but where we talked about the aforementioned donkey movie, Al Hazard, Balthazar, which is often seen as his um, as his best movie, or certainly his his most well known, and you were not a big fan of that. But I don't feel like we really had that productive of a discussion about it. I feel like it's. I kind of wanted to um, talk about two of his his earlier works and about um, yeah about him him as a filmmaker and kind of. Uh, you know, and especially because, you know, Paul Schrader, we've talked about Paul Schrader uh, quite a bit in, you know, our best movies of the year lists for the past couple of years, because, you know, he's really been on one with um, uh, First Reformed and um, The Card Counter. Card Counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I was blanking on those names, but yeah, First Reformed and The Card Counter. And Paul Schrader is a Brisson devotee. Uh, and even wrote a book, you know, about the transcendental film, uh, Schrader, or uh, not Schrader, uh, Rasson Ozu. And I think he mentions Carl Theodore Dreyer is the third one. And yeah, so I don't know. I, I figured maybe we would have a, uh, you know, an episode that kind of pulled on all those threads and, and uh, yeah, I don't know, figured out what we figured it'd be ripe for conversation, you know? Well, just real quick to revisit uh, previously mentioned donkey movie mm-hmm. um it's not a matter of I, I don't remember disliking it but it's literally about i think uh, animal abuse and someone kills themselves if memory serves correctly um yeah i mean just to so it wasn't exactly uplifting it, yeah i mean it's definitely not i mean just to give some context uh for brisson's career before we jump into it you know the two movies we're talking about today a man escaped and pickpocket are i think more uh what's the word accessible and kind of genre works in the sense, you know, Man Escaped is literally a prison escape movie. Pickpocket is about a pickpocket. But Alhazard Balthazar really kind of takes what he's up to to another level and becomes, you know, just to briefly summarize, I mean, the donkey basically just goes about its life suffering and is a Christ figure and endures the um, indignities and the sins of humanity and then dies at the end of the movie, just like like Christ, you know. And then Mouchette is another late uh, Brisson or later Brisson movie that is also very, uh, very depressing and very dark. And essentially, a girl named Mouchette takes the place of the donkey, and she it suffers indignities and suffers until the very end. Where I don't think I have to tell you what happens at the very end of Mouchette. <laughs> and so, so yeah, the, these are two of his more accessible works, and and. Uh, the beginning of this kind of radical style 
that he has um, that it, that reaches its peak in in Balthazar and and Mouchette. And I will say, Brisson is almost a kind of parody of the '60s art house French director. You know, a movie about a donkey that represents Christ and that suffers and then dies at the end of the movie. Like that sounds like a Simpsons gag, and it probably was. But when you actually watch the movies, there's just something so powerful about his, the rigor of his vision that is, um, if you give yourself over to it, it, it is kind of something special, you know, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you, as we previously discussed on this podcast, you, you sometimes remind me that it's not a competition and I say, no, it is a competition. <laughs> um, if we're pitting somebody like him and Ozu, against each other like for my money ozu takes it i have not read paul schrader's book but i would much rather explore the world and humanity with ozu than i would with bresson i agree with uh, that i agree with that i mean i mean a, it's not a, definitely not a competition but but it kind of is. <laughs> but yeah no i ozu is definitely much more um much more non-French <laughs> he's much more focused on humanity um whereas Brisson was Brisson was a staunch Catholic and not um n- not the kind of Catholic like you know he was a really deeply religious man like and so much so that he wasn't necessarily devoted to the Catholic Church as to classical Christian principles and non-Protestant principles and um he came by it honestly and that is something that definitely inflects his work and removes a lot of the quote-unquote humanity um whereas someone like ozu was a humanist to the core you know well i'll tell you a word that came to mind after i finished both of these is a word that i've seen come up about him a lot and that word is minimalist Mm. in terms of his filmmaking because that's that's how I felt about him as a filmmaker. He he did, especially when you when you read uh, Friend of the Pod, uh, David Thompson's excerpt about him about just how he approached film, and obviously he mentioned his, his Catholicism and all that. So it was very interesting. Like I, like I would actually be interested in learning more about how his religious obsession, if you will, uh, influenced some of his films, because when you look at a man escaped and pickpocket, that's clearly like, obviously I'm sure you can find something, especially with man escaped, but there's not really a lot. Like you said, they're the, like his, it's, to me, it's much more accessible than, than the donkey movie. Yeah. And certainly much less of a religious allegory, you know, I, um, yeah, minimalist. Well, let's, let's talk about, cause I mean, yeah, we can talk about the individual movies, but, um, let's talk about that style, right? What are some of the elements of that style that, um, you know, that, that, that indicate minimalism? Like, what are we talking about when we say minimalism? And I think, you know, obviously the camera work is very, um, you know, very simple and unobtrusive, but I think for me, the primary uh, thing that is minimalist in his, uh, in his work is, the acting and the performances and the narrative, right? Like you, you look at man escaped, you look at pickpocket. These are not elaborate scripts. These are barely even stories. These are just, uh, you know, we're essentially following these characters around 
and he had this famous thing where he he referred to his actors as models, right? Not as actors. He didn't want them to act, you know, and uh, he, he wanted them to kind of be as expressionless and as as a low key as humanly possible, because he thought that that would, um, you know. Oh, and I, I don't actually, you know, I don't. Well, I don't know. Let me throw that back to you. What what are some what are some things that you that struck you as minimalist in in his work? Was it just the acting? Well, I mean, or yeah, I mean, it was the acting. Clearly, the camera work. There was a lot of moments. I mean, the first one off the top of my head is for since we're uh, a man escaped was in 1956, pickpockets 1959. So, just to reference that film for this point, the clearest example is early on. Like you're introduced to the character through his hand attempting to open a door. And then when he does jump out of the car, the camera doesn't follow him. The mm, camera stays in the car. Right. Which I think it's like, that's, that's not like a minor thing because the, he, he, it sets the tone early on. Like I have no interest. Like he, 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 there's a handwritten note at the beginning of the fucking movie. He, he has no interest in fluffing this story up. He has no interest in, in showing you something um, that's, that's outside of the, of, the parameter that exists within, within this story in this world. So right. uh, he does that a lot at the prison as well. But there's one, there's one thing that David Thompson said was more or less his motto. And I thought it was interesting. He said, there is only one way of shooting people from near and in front of them. When you want to know what is happening inside. And you can definitely see why that's his motto. Mm-hmm. If you watch both of these movies, every shot pretty much takes place exactly how he just described it. And I think that's interesting because a lot falls on the actor, but these guys aren't no offense to them, but these guys aren't all-star actors either. Right. So the, he's putting a lot on their shoulders, but not giving them a lot to, 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 to work with in terms of script. Which I find to be really interesting, especially in pickpocket. Right, right, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good point because he's treating like the, his camera is kind of treating these actors, uh, or, or maybe not treating them, but his camera is fixed on these actors like they are, you know, Marlene Dietrich in 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 a Joseph von Sternberg movie or something, right? Like. Uh, it's, it's a, a close up, maybe not a close up, but, uh, you know, you're getting right there in front of the character and he's almost to the point where they're looking at the camera, but you're not giving them a lot to do. And clearly Bresson thinks that this, uh, brings out some kind of truth or some kind of, um, uh, true human emotion as opposed to the. Uh, the trickery or the fakeness of quote unquote acting. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that I think generally works. Um, I also want to, I also want to kind of use, do a little framework on how he worked because he had this really interesting quote. I don't remember if it's in the David Thompson or if it's in this other essay I read where he says, um, he says the, the movie comes alive when I write it down or in my mind, and then it dies when it's on the page, right? So basically he's, um, you know, thinking of the movie as a creative act for him, right? 
and imagining what it's going to be and writing it down and it's meticulous detail and writing it down kills it right once you turn it into a script and it's like well the magic's dead right and then he says it comes alive again when you film it right the movie comes alive when you film it you have these people in front of the camera and you're instructing them and you know everybody's acting and it's when you're filming it it's magic again all of a sudden and then he says then as soon as it goes on to film then it's dead again right the movie's dead again but then when you edit it and when you put it together it's alive again right because then you're having to take this footage that you that you did that you filmed and you're putting it together and that in and of itself is a creative act and the film comes alive again and then the film is finished and it's on a reel and it's dead again but then the last time it comes alive is when it's projected and then when it's projected in front of an audience that's the last time that it comes alive and it becomes this full flowering work of art again and I think that's, I think that's really interesting because he's, you know, Hitchcock was someone who, you know, and just going back to Hitchcock because he's obvious, he, he's often seen as, you know, the greatest film director ever, or certainly the most well-known, you know, Hitchcock planned all of his movies out and was then often bored during the, you know, during the actual filming. And you have someone like Renoir who planned out a little bit, but really let the, the shooting kind of determine it. And Brisson, I think, is almost kind of a personification of these different these different strains where he's like tying them all together. He's saying, no, it's alive when I'm thinking about it. It's alive when I'm filming it and it's alive when I'm editing it and it's alive when I'm projecting it. Right. Like it's the, he's almost viewing them all as different creative processes and different artistic acts. And that is something there's something holistic about that and something, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's really fascinating, you know? Well, I mean, I think we have another example of a filmmaker that is in love with the work, but not necessarily the art, mm. which I, I struggle with a little bit. Uh, and, and I feel like David Thompson kind of alludes to that really. Like he, Bresson is, is on the one hand pure cinema, but don't seek him if you're just looking for like the the love of cinema. Right, if that right, makes right, sense. right. Yeah, no, which we, I we, that I think is interesting. Yes, we get the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really great point. We get we get the impression of someone who is uh, in love with the work, but this man is not a cinephile. Right. And in fact, and I think Thompson even describes him as suspicious of cinema, you know, and it's funny. I was actually talking with a listener last night on Twitter about this, talking about he was kind of disagreeing with our Antonioni takes where Antonioni makes a movie like Blow Up that is essentially a critique of film and a critique of photography and of art in general. And that's I, I was kind of saying, like, this is why I, I you know, like I think. Bresson is, you know, twice the director that Antonioni is because uh, Antonioni says is critical of film, but then leaves us with the question of, well, then why did you make one, pal, if it's if it's all critical? Whereas this one, Bresson, I think, is kind of critical and suspicious of film, 
But because of his investment in the creative process, his films often reach moments of pure transcendence to just bring it back full circle, you know, um, especially like at the ending of, you know, Balthazar at the ending of um, what do you call it? Man escaped. But I think whether or not you think he reaches those peaks of transcendence, it depends on, you know, your, your uh, appreciation for his worldview or for his, um, his cinematic style. But do you, do you want to get into the particular movies now? Yeah, I, I want to because because I kind of want to talk about his style and and the kind of like you kind of have to take its temperature to like see because I do think it's very like I was telling you off pod I think it's very mood based so it's to a certain degree mm-hmm. because of the way he makes films I think and, and honestly I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like there's something we do, there's something to be said for a movie that you can't just put on anytime. Right. So with Man Escaped, he keeps it very cut and dry. You spend the majority of the movie with this prisoner who is literally escaping. Like there's no there's no spoilers, there's no fanciness. It is literally an hour and forty minutes of a guy meticulously preparing everything he needs to escape. And he spends a lot of time with the construction and the, just the methodical movement through this prison through, you spend a lot of his time in the prison cell. You don't really get an exterior shot of the prison. Uh, he uses sound a lot. That's another thing that kept coming up whenever I was, whenever I was doing research on him is a lot of people, like I was thinking like this is, I mean, it, there, there's a lot of interesting uses of sound since there's not really a score. Right. Um, and, and, and other people were like, yeah, like that other people agreed, like it, it, the, the way he uses the bars, the doors closing, the bars clanking there. There's a lot of like the soldiers will talk off screen. There's like some very interesting things he did to kind of make you feel like you're the prisoner. Right. Which I don't feel like is a very, obviously that's not a very deep take, but I mean, that that's how I felt when I was, when I was watching it. My only complaint is I wanted this movie to be about 10 to 15 minutes shorter and pickpocket be about 10 to 15 minutes longer. Ooh, interesting. Okay. What did you think was, I, was too much about a man escaped? You just could have, you could have cut some out. Just, just take, I don't mean chunks, like a whole chunk. I mean, like just take bites out of it. Some of the visits to the, to uh, the, the water tank, uh, some of like less about the boards. Um, the end, I feel he utilizes time very well. The last 15 minutes was pretty thrilling. You already know he's going to escape, but the way they approach it, the way he has to climb, use the rope, the way he has to climb across, I, I thought it was very well done. But everything else in the middle, I feel like there could have been some trimmed off. Um, and that's really because like I-, I felt like an hour and 40 was pushing it. I feel like this movie should have been maybe more like an hour, 20 hour, 25, because it's another movie with a very simple concept. This isn't, this isn't your typical prison escape movie. And I know some people like cinephiles will probably say, look, this is one of the most well-known prison escape movies. Well, I get it, but this isn't like Shawshank Redemption. Sure. Like this isn't Alcatraz. This isn't the great escape. This is something entirely different. So maybe it shouldn't have been an hour and 40 minutes is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about that because, I mean, 
I'm, I'm interested uh, because like he makes this, um, you know, the story of this movie is a true story and he adheres to the actual journalistic account um, that is the true story. He, he adheres to it almost like to a fault. If you're saying, if you, you know, if, if you agree that it is, too long like he literally like films uh films it like it is a piece of journalism right and so that i think contributes to this feeling while you're watching it that it is maybe going on too long or this feeling that it is you know like uh it it, it's not following the rhythm of a dramatic structure right which is obviously what we're used to right it's following a rhythm of real time right like he literally read the journalistic account of this and is trying to recreate it with film and if it doesn't if the rhythms and all that don't follow for a good dramatic structure he could care less right because he's not embellishing it at all you know and which of course is a fiction right because you can't completely transport or transpose a work of journalism into a work of film right but it is it is a working method right and that is and you know similar to the way that um that he doesn't use music you know and i'm specifically interested in how he seems to be following all these like minimalistic rules until the very end and until the climax this is something he does with uh Mouchette and with uh, Balthazar as well. Like the ending is a moment of transcendence, and there's this classical music that plays, and you know I think that is kind of what uh, uh, Schrader is up to when he talks about you know this transcendental film. And um, I don't know, did you, was that effective for you? Did you think that the ending was? not so much worth it, but did you think the ending was effective or somehow different in kind to the rest of, of the movie? Absolutely. I thought the ending was, like I said, our, like the last 20 minutes I thought was very powerful. And then the, the closing, the closing shot. And like when I thought the line, you know, I wish my mother could see me was effective. Mm. And, and then when that classical score kicks in and they just kind of walk off, there was something powerful about it just in a different way than like Andy Dufresne, like digging his way through a sewer pipe, Right. you know, right. it was a much more subtle kind of thing. It, 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 it hits you in a very similar way. Emotionally, he just got you there in a very different way than traditional films that follow those structures that you were talking about a minute ago. Right. Uh, so he still gets you there. And I thought the end odds are the ending is the most traditional thing about this movie because mm-hmm. nothing else is really traditional about it. Right. I mean, to a certain extent, even the way he, even the way he shows us the escape isn't traditional because it's very, it's a very methodical approach. Right. There's nothing exciting. There's no glitz and glamor. It's like we move, you let the camera linger for like what feels like five minutes. Then they move more. And then you take the guard out in this slow way. And then you sit and you wait and then you move again. Like he, he really 
milked it. And I don't mean that in a bad way because that, that clearly what you've been waiting for at that point, you've been waiting, uh, 80 minutes. Like, of course you want to, to really push this to the limit because you, no matter how much you run from being a a traditional film, one thing you can't escape is we know the ending. Hmm. So you have to do what you can to really keep us engaged. Now, I don't know if that was his intent, but that's how I took it. You can't escape the fact that we know what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and I I think there's a reason why also this is considered one of it. Well, okay. I want to make a couple of different claims here. One of them is that effect that we get at the end is, you know, the most conventional thing in the movie but I also don't think it would hit as hard or hit as it wouldn't hit the way that it does unless we had spent the previous, you know, 90 minutes in a Robert Bresson movie. Does that make sense? Like without, without that, like that makes sense without that style that he has, it just would not, it just would hit differently. You know what I mean? It would be a more conventional movie. Maybe we would enjoy the ride a bit more as opposed to enjoying the destination. But I think that is his mode of operation. It's this moment. It's this, you know, world, the world is hell, but there are, but we are capable of having moments of transcendence, you know? And that I think is, is kind of what his, um, his mode of operation is. And also he, he will get, I don't want to say better at it, but he will get less conventional about it as the movies go forward, right? Just to take us um, into Pickpocket a little bit, you know, Pickpocket is not a conventional genre movie. The moment of transcendence is not a beat in a prison escape movie. It's, you know what I mean? And in Balthazar, the same way. In Balthazar, the mode of transcendence is literally a donkey dying in a field, you know? And so I think... Uh, Man Escapes may be his most accessible movie because the moment of transcendence is one that we are familiar with as as cinephiles, as consumers of media, which is the grand escape at the end. Of course it's transcendent. They escape at the end. But I think to say that it's conventional or to say, and I'm, I'm not saying you're saying this, I'm saying to say that it's like conventional or to say that it's like, you know, the happy ending or whatever is to miss the point. The point is not to just like have a happy ending on this like, you know, art house movie. The point is this is a moment of transcendence after essentially this man spending, you know, time in hell and, 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 and enduring and having the faith, you know, there's that word again, like obviously he had the strong faith having the faith that you were going to make it out of this situation, that you are capable of escape transcendence. It's the most literal and accessible version of Brisson, you know, the way that he makes movies, if that makes sense. I think that it's, I I guess, comparing it to, to pickpocket, which I haven't really thought of until you mentioned it. It's definitely harder to paint us a picture of what's going on in terms of transcendence in that film, opposed to man escape now. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to, I was just going to say with man escaped, I, I, like we we can start to to we can kind of talk about them both at the same time if you want because I mean honestly it, it doesn't matter they're both so different uh, but he he really keeps the same minimalist type of style moving into to either uh, you, actually you can 
say that pickpocket is somewhat more minimalist just because it involves pockets and hands mm-hmm. 90% of the movie. Right. But with Man Escaped, he did some really effective things with his camera while also keeping it his his own unique way of doing things um, in that prison cell. Mm. I loved the craftsmanship and the hands that he focused on with the wire from the mattress and, and how he would meticulously cut the cloth and the blankets and uh, he make those hooks. Everything he was doing served a purpose and it was so precise and, and, and the makeshift file with breaking the wood, all of that really involved you and engaged you in this prison escape, which from that aspect, I can see, makes it a thrilling escape movie, even if I do think it ran a little long and and may or may not have dragged some. That was still very, very interesting. Well, it's, to me, it's, it almost seems like the, uh, the, the length and the dragging is closer to kind of what he wanted you to experience as opposed to the thrills. Like, this is a movie that is kind of thrilling in spite of itself, right? Right? Like, it's it's... Yeah, like it's thrilling in spite of itself. It's like you can try to make it seem like we're in hell and that this guy has faith, but like it's never not going to be interesting watching a guy escape from prison. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, there's it's inherently fun. You know what I mean? And I think that is what um that is what also contributes to its accessibility. It's like, dude, I I, I get what you're going for here, but you this is just it's fun watching somebody escape from prison you know um yeah no that's yeah that's interesting it's almost like fun or entertaining or thrilling in spite of itself you know in spite of the uh minimalism and the the lack of stuff that he's trying to put into the movie um yeah because i mean he he obviously had to be aware that a prison escape movie I mean, one of my favorite books, and even though the movie is is kind of hated, it's, it's, I also love the adaptation. I can't believe we haven't gotten another one. Is The Count of Monte Cristo? Mm. I think it's one of the coolest books ever written. And I mean, it doesn't get better than that Prison Escape. Right, right. So, like, when like there are some things you can't take, you can't inject so much art that it takes out the fun yeah, 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 and prison yeah. escaping is one of them. And honestly for pickpocketing, I mean, this is, this comes down to whatever your sensibilities are for pickpocket. Like I, I thought that was thrilling, honestly, yeah, 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 the, yeah. the stealing and, and trying to get away with it. And the cops being on your tail, like all that shit is also fairly conventional. Um, but it's just what he does. Now that one he does in a completely different way, the way he handles the way those characters move, within that world that was the non-traditional non-conventional part of that movie. yeah it's almost like through it's like from you know uh uh man escaped through uh i can't remember which one came first uh balthazar or machete but but through you know those four movies he gets less entertaining and more stringent in his style you know and yeah like you said it depends on your your sensibilities where you, uh, you know, if you're a huge Brisson fan and a huge fan of his style, you're obviously going to prefer the latter two. Uh, but if you, you know, if you like a little bit of, <laughs> if you like movies to be a little bit of fun, you tend to like the first two, you know? Well, I mean, that, that's kind of why I said like, it, it, 
some of this shit does come down to what mood you're in because you're not always in the mood for certain things. And I respect a movie on like a weird level that a filmmaker who wants to punish the audience Mm -hmm. a little bit. And and that punishment could be what you're putting your characters through. It could be what we just clearly, whatever you're showing on screen. Yeah. Uh, And, and I think, I think that can really give you some interesting results. So, I mean, compared to, uh, Balthazar, like these are, these movie these two movies are fucking borderline blockbusters yeah. compared to that movie. Yeah, no. And I, I just want to make a little clarifying point. I know you're, I, I, I'm not saying you're saying this at all, but it's a, it's a torturing your audience, not in a kind of nihilistic Hitchcockian or Lars von Trier way. It's a torturing of your audience so you can prep them for the, for the moment of transcendence at the end. Right. Like, I think that is, that's the key. Right. And, but let, let's segue into pickpocket a little bit because I'm interested, like, I think we've, we've, you know, gathered a pretty good framework to talk about pickpocket. And I think you did a good job of, you know, just like the prison escape is exciting to a certain extent. Pickpocket is also exciting, but we're getting a little bit less excitement, I think, and a little bit more Bersan in this movie. We're getting a little bit more of actors as models, right? We have two, um, co-leads for lack of a better word uh, or i should say we have a love interest which which adds another you know another actor to the to the table another model who just kind of stares blankly ahead into the you know into the camera um but what did you what did you think about this compared to pickpocket or compared to man escaped and just kind of on its own had you ever th- well, had you ever seen this before I've I've seen Pickpocket, but it was a long time ago, yeah. and honestly, I don't even remember why I watched it. Sure, um, but but I will say revisiting it, and, and and having done this right after we've just did our top ten episode, uh, this when this episode comes out, the top ten is probably a couple of weeks old at that point. Mm. But um, it, it really kind of explained when you were talking about a oh, well, a uh, card counter is Schrader on his Bresson thing. Right. And I think this helped just because it is like, he's not as like God's lonely man as much as Oscar Isaac was in that. But there, there is a lot of that. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of tortured soul looking for a place in this world kind of shit going on. Right. Right. And to me, I like that. I, I, I like that. Now, just real quick, revisiting the Hawking your... first reform too. Just, to, just to throw. That oh, out. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But anyway, sorry, um, I, you me. can make the argument. You can make the argument. Hawk. I'm glad you said that because you can make the argument. Hawk was more so than Card Counter. Yeah, I agree. But uh, the thing about the thing about the the whole torturing your audience. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with you. But where it gets interesting for me is that whole thing about well, the transcendence that's supposed to be your salvation, quote unquote, even that's a little subjective. And that's where things can get really interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Like true freedom. Like, like, were you set free? Did, did, was there any closure? If so, how did that closure affect you, the viewer uh, compared to how it affected the character and so on and so on. So I think that's really where it gets interesting, not just with him, but also with Ozu. Right. Uh, and, and to me anyway, that's how I interpreted it. 
Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about that ending. Let's because I mean, you know, the, the the plot is pretty straightforward. We have this guy who is a pickpocket and who's living a, a you know a god's lonely man lifestyle of crime and um, kind of uh, I mean, Jesus, that apartment of his, you know, like just destitute really isn't the word. It's just uh, I, I don't know what, what word would you use to describe it? just god's lonely man i mean you know like it's yeah Travis Pickles just, apartment. It's, it's the basics yeah it's the basics yeah. like he 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 has what he needs to survive right right it, it, yeah it's travis pickles apartment yeah it's it's or it's uh the card counters hotel room right it's just you know it's uh it's the bare fucking minimum you know and just the essentials to live and you know we get the sense that and there's some dostoevsky in this too i mean dostoevsky you know crime and punishment you know was obviously a, a, a an influence on on him and you know just just kind of drawing all the threads together you know much in the same way that man escaped is a tale of faith and then of course transcendence at the end which is escape you know this i think is is similar to that this is a man who's caught up in this lifestyle that is clearly bringing him no pleasure i mean clearly we have no indication this man is capable of uh, even a feeling, much less a feeling of pleasure. And, you know, then I think the moment of transcendence is, you know, when the music kicks in, which is obviously of course on Hallmark and is the end in the jail cell when he, you know, that famous shot of him and her standing across from each other in the jail cell. And it, it becomes a very Catholic uh, moment of transcendence because, you know, it's, the the madonna right this woman is clearly a madonna not a whore and you know she has the baby and everything and and it's it's a it's a moment of uh, redemption is too human a word you know, like it's redemption involves some kind of human emotions and feeling this is a moment of of spiritual transcendence of uh kind of giving up this previous life that he have had and, and it, that he's had and and almost like he's calling on God or calling on the Virgin Mary at his lowest point, you know, I don't know. How did you read that? Transcendence is too simple a word, but it, it's a good shorthand. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it lets you know what you're talking about, but it's not even really the right word. It, it's, it's a moment of, I, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it other than that. You just got to watch the fucking movie, I guess. But I don't know. What did you think of the ending as it regards to, the rest of the movie and also what we know about Bresson's work in general. Well, I mean, my thing is like, call me cynical, but uh, I, anytime there's an ending where someone chooses to walk away from something for love or for promises or anything, like I'm always left with like, well, this is the life that, that, you know, this is the life that, that you love. Like you, you like what you do regardless of what you tell people. Mm -hmm. Um, so, it's hard to really get any closure out of that because to my mind, it's like just a, it's a ticking clock of when are you going to go back to your previous lifestyle? Sure. Like despite what's, despite what desperation or what hope you were clinging to in that moment, which, which I think is where it gets interesting because it's the equivalent, you know, if you want to get into religious context, it's the equivalent of a backsliding. Right. Right. There's always, there's always going to be that lingering doubt of like, man, is like it's the same thing for addicts. Like it's the day the day I fuck up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where it gets interesting, especially with an ending like that. Now I loved it. 
don't get me wrong. I liked what it was and what it represents, but you still like, I, I can't help but acknowledge the other side of this. So let me ask you this question. Cause I, I, I see a hundred percent what you're saying, but let me ask you this. Is this something that you think is built into the movie? Or do you think this is a chink in Brisson's armor? This like, like, cause, cause one version is like, well, I buy the transcendence at the end, you know, mostly, but I think if you hadn't set it up like this, then it would hit home harder because obviously it hit homes it, it hits home harder in a man escaped because the man is not going to voluntarily go back to prison right right like it's yeah like, like that is a more clear cut and dried moment of transcendence but like and also it it wasn't just a representation of freedom it was freedom right right like, right not not clearly we can think well what if the nazis uh, found him and arrested him the next day when he was on the run well, that that's the case. I mean, that that applies to, to anything. So it's right, not right. it's not impervious to that. But in that moment, you're less likely to think of that because it does hit harder right. because it is it is a spiritual and a physical freedom. Yes. No, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But like, my, I guess my question with regards to pickpocket is, do you think it hits harder because or do you think that? Uh, that ambiguity that you were talking about at the end of pickpocket of like, well, he could very easily just go back to pickpocketing, right? He's going to backslide quote unquote. Do you think that's built into the vision of the movie or do you think it's a chink in the armor of the movie? Right? Like, do you, do you think it's like, well, if you hadn't set it up like this, your moment of transcendence would work better. Or do you think it's like, wow, you set this up to be a moment of transcendence. That's also ambiguous. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm going to say my personal thought would be is built into the movie. Okay. Knowing knowing what we know about Brisson and his deeply religious viewpoints. Right. I would have to imagine it, it's definitely something that's built into the movie because the doing the right thing is a choice. Mm. So so whenever whenever he chooses to do the right thing, it doesn't matter if it's for a girl or if it's for this or for that. I mean He's actively choosing to do the right thing. So tomorrow he could choose the wrong thing because he's broke and he doesn't want a real job. But for now we're seeing him choose that right thing. So I think there's really, there's really no way around it, it not being built into the movie, but I'll also follow that up with if there is a chink in his armor, uh, finding it would fall to a much better cinephile than myself. So <laughs> I know I, I, I agree with you on both counts. Uh, I know I, I, I do. I do think it is built in and that is something I'm glad. I'm glad I asked you that because I had not thought of, <laughs> I had not thought of a good justification for why it's built in. You know what I mean? But like you pointing out the religious thing, like I, I was thinking, well, no, that ambiguity is just built in because Brisson's a genius and that's that. But like, you pointing out that it's the religious aspect, right? Because the a man escaped is, it's a good metaphor for salvation through religion, but it's not complete, is it? Right? Like it's not because, like you said, the guy's not going to voluntarily go back to prison. Whereas, if you are volun if you are voluntarily giving yourself up to some kind of spiritual religious redemption, you can easily backslide. And this situation. Uh, by this, I mean pickpocket situation. There is an ambiguity of backsliding that is built in to the moment of transcendence, you know, and it's uh, 
it works as a better metaphor for religious transcendence because that moment of transcendence can so easily be reversed and i mean even repeated right like who's who's to say that he will go back to pickpocketing for a month and then go back and have another moment of religious trance, right? Like who, who is that? That possibility is completely open. Whereas with the scenario that is set up in man escape, that doesn't really track, right? Like it's um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, now you're in, now you're introducing a, a great concept from religion, which is, uh, yeah. Like I can, I can do the right thing today and the wrong thing tomorrow and then do the right thing the next day and not really have any repercussions. Right, right, <laughs> so. <laughs> right, right. And I think that 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 morality is built into pickpocket, right? Because the whole the whole part, the whole like moral uh, conflict of the movie is between doing a good thing or doing a bad thing. The bad thing is being a pickpocket, right? The good thing is not being a pickpocket. Like it's it's built into that shit. So it's like. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad we talked about this because, yeah, from that vantage point, Pickpocket seems less simplistic and a, a more mature work than Man Escaped. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, I think that it makes because because the situations are so like you've already pointed out, like clearly the prison and and pickpocketing thing, the situations are so different, right? in terms of how they affect the character and logical choices, there's a big difference in choosing to go back to be a criminal. Cause you don't want a day job and choosing to go back to a Nazi prison. You've escaped. From. <laughs> right, so right. so right. I do think there's more room for, for like a, a quote unquote, like transcendentalist ideas to be exchanged um, opposed to a man escaped. Right. And I, and I honestly think that that's to be expected. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Man Escaped, a Man Escaped, and you look at Pickpocket, they're, they're, Pickpocket is three years deeper into his career. Right, right. He was doing a lot of writing. He was obviously doing a lot of reading. Like he, he, his things change and evolve, especially the deeper into the black hole you climb into. That is religion. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. I, I I see your point and I'm, I'm not religious myself. So I am sympathetic to that argument, especially the way that we were raised. But in this case, uh, he seems to have, uh, and I think this is the case with many religious artists. Like I, like, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume this is true for you. Uh, but I, just because of the way that we were raised and, and the way that I was raised, like I have a tendency to be very skeptical of, of religious artists, but a lot of times, you know, they don't, their experience doesn't mirror the way, you know, ours, obviously, right? And, and Brisson seems to be his understanding of this kind of religious transcendence seems to be maturing, right? As he goes deeper down the rabbit hole, so to speak, right? Which is not the case for everybody, but for, you know, these giant artists, you know, it, it certainly can be. I mean, would we prefer to have a divine comedy that was somehow not religious? Like, no, of course not. Right. Like it's, you know, uh, Dante's belief system was necessary for something like that to exist. And I think Bresson is the same way. Like his, his, his conception of his religion is maturing between these two, these two movies. Right. Yeah. But the, the way that I often think about 
you know, kind of religious artists is, you know, I, I have a, often a limited view of them, I feel like, because I can't relate to it at all because religion being raised in religion didn't bring me any closer to art or understanding. In fact, it was antithetical to that. But I think it's it's hard for me to understand, but it's also undeniable that Bresson's deepening religiosity brought about a deeper understanding of religion, right? Like he he was getting deeper down the rabbit hole, so to speak, but his understanding of religious and religious trans or religion and religious transcendence was also deepening from from one movie to the next, right? Yeah, no, I mean I a hundred percent. And also I'll agree with you a hundred percent on, on what you said in terms of growing up religious, like, yeah, it's, it's trying to process art or find deeper meaning outside of religious guidelines was like the antithesis of what you were supposed to do. So exactly. It, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's the very, uh, <laughs> the very Protestant uh, post 1980 evangelical, <laughs> uh, mindset. But obviously for someone like Brisson, who's an old school European Catholic, it's not, not the same at all. I mean, like it, it's like Andre Rublev or something, which I, I think also. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's seeking answers, seeking answers from, from other places, like because of, of this world that, that if you, whatever you believe that, that God created and gave you and seeking answers through art or through literature or, or through any of that. I mean, that's, if, if anything, it should be encouraged. And at one point it was because yeah. at, at, at the root of it was them believing that it's all God, like, right. um, like God gave us this, et cetera, et cetera. So it was somewhere along the way that idea got flipped. Yeah. B- because, because it's like, no, if you do that, then you're getting outside of the parameters of what God gave you. So you're actually doing the opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah, no, no, no. It's yeah. That that's why that's why in some ways some of these like old school religious artists uh, intrigue me so much because it's so antithetical to the way that we were raised, right? Like it's like you know the old school Russian Orthodox Christians like Andrei Rublev, you know, like they literally thought that looking at those paintings would bring you closer to God, you know, and like we don't have anything like that. Like we don't, you know, in our uh, evangelical 21st century or not 21st century, but, you know, in 80s, 90s, you know, we don't have anything like that. But like, it's intriguing to to view religion from that perspective of like, no, looking and contemplating this painting will will bring you closer to the almighty. You know, that's um, that will never not be fascinating to me. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially especially given the way that that most things went. I can't speak for a time frame outside of, of where I was raised, but I mean, yeah, when, when you look at, at how things were in the late eighties and all through the nineties, clearly things are taking a turn now. Um, but for those, for those 20 or 30 years, uh, it was not pleasant. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. And I think, a, I don't know, well, a sociologist could really answer us on why that changed and how it changed. But, um, yeah, who the fuck knows? Because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. That's why it changed. <laughs> and the Bible says. <laughs> um, but no, uh, just to loop back around. No, I think, um, yeah. So, so so broadly speaking, would you, uh, you think that Brasson's kind of model of, of you know, uh, torturing his audience and then bringing about the moments of transcendence, you would say this broadly works for you, this this style and this outlook um, because I find myself um, like I mentioned this, uh, like I was talking about it on Twitter 
last night and i think david thompson kind of alludes to this where it's like yeah this is a guy who is brisson is a guy who's suspicious of cinema but like hmm, not all the way because you can't have those moments of transcendence at the end of your movie and really be like nihilistic you know what i mean like you're not fooling anybody pal like you can you can make your actors all minimalistic and you can you know have the movie about the donkey that's carrying the sins of the world but you you know the endings of your movies kind of tell us that you're you're not as pessimistic and nihilistic as you make it out to be you know well yeah i absolutely agree with that because at its core if he was devoted and as religious as he claimed to be there there has to be hope at the core regardless of what of what happens so um i think the same thing in his movies like I don't personally view him as a nihilist at all. And nor do I think he was really trying to be when you compare it to other filmmakers, uh, such as Kubrick, which is low hanging fruit that we've discussed on this podcast time and time again. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, no, I I personally don't, don't see him being a nihilist or really trying to convince us that he is, if anything, he's showing you in some uncertain terms that there, there is something if you can hang in there, which I think is the overall core of religion right 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 depending on what religion you are i suppose yeah so that point of view that that, that like because a lot of a lot of us talk are are kind of ex- explorations of these directors has uh, we haven't set out purposefully to do this but i feel like we've kind of been doing this um especially recently i feel like is to kind of delineate what the director's vision of the world is and then kind of apart from that, once we've defined it and talked about it and explored it, kind of made a value judgment of whether or not that is like, quote unquote, for us or not. Um, and I'll, I'll just speak for myself. And I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Speaking for myself, um, Brisson is, is, is for like, he is, he is for me, despite his difficulty and his, you know, a, a strident, or I should say a stringent kind of, um, nature of of some of his films and maybe the unintentional or or maybe the intentional uh dullness of a man escaped for the middle 30 minutes or whatever you know despite all of that i will never not be hooked by those moments of transcendence and when that classical music kicks in and, and you know it's often from like mozart or it's a it's a mass from from bach or something it's it, it will never not be powerful to me and i i think uh you know, the closest person we have doing anything like that today is our boy Schrader. But um, what about you? Is this a, is this a vision of the world you can get down with? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I will say like it did. It, it, it depends. I, I it is very mood specific mm, for me and, right. and this director. Um, but if I'm in the mood to 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 have kind of this this ride, this this more realistic ride and approach to the world and then have this this moment of of quote unquote freedom and escape. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a reason we're talking about him. This movie's fucking 60 years old. Right. Uh, clearly something sticks around from the way he does things in a big way. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can certainly get down with it, it j- but it is very, it's very mood based for me. Sure. No, that's no, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Um, I, I'll tell you not to, not to, uh, I won't name it since we're talking about it soon, but I, I was, I, you know, I, I just finished up with these for this episode 
And I've been working my way in between, this will date us a little bit, but I've been working my way in between like another director we're doing, which is just pure fucking chaos Mm -hmm. and uh, Jackass. So, because the Jackass movie just came out, like I said, that'll date us a little bit. So it was really weird to like watch Pickpocket and Man Escaped and then watch Johnny Knoxville, you know, get get fucking ran over by a herd of buffalo. Hey, both transcendent in their own ways. Um, that that is the damn truth and then and then you know move into the other director we're doing that'll be out in a week or so where he's just like pure chaos right and in terms of of, in terms of what he does and and i love it i love that kind of assault on the senses but you want to talk about something that is the antithesis of that yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. we just did yeah so that's that's good i feel like it's it's nice to uh it's like i was talking to a friend one time and telling him I'd watched a bunch of Fellini movies in a row. And I was just like, I'm getting sick of Fellini just because I, I, for some reason I watched a bunch of them in a row and he was like, you need some Bergman to like break things up. You know what I mean? You need to like, you need like a, an, uh, an intense Swede, like staring at the camera and talking about death. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like you kind of need to break your, your cinephile life up sometimes, you know, you need a a shock to the senses. Uh, Well, it's, yeah, it's like in a in a weird way, like sometimes the order of which I watch things, and I'm sure it, it might be the same for you, although I feel like sometimes we're watching very different things. Um I uh it it kind of reminds me of a torture scene from the card counter. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like I feel orange. like my like yeah, in that situation, I feel like my brain is the is the person being tortured in that scene. <laughs> and my brain's like, just stop it fuck just stop doing this uh, uh that's incredible so yeah all right but overall i mean yeah watch these movies guys i mean they're they're on their own criteria obviously if you're listening to this you probably watch them or if you were listening to this to get an idea of whether you should watch them yeah just be in a be in a more cerebral mood uh, of like just kind of being able to embrace what he's doing and putting you through because I mean, card counter is really short. Card counter is like an hour and sixteen minutes, and I think it's a much breezier feeling than than uh, than Man Escaped overall on the concept to me. Because I enjoyed watching this guy still shit. So right, 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 right. Yeah, I, uh, I. Uh, wait, you said card counter was an hour and fifty. You mean pickpocket? Sorry, I meant pickpocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, that's a reasonable uh, mistake to make because uh, of what we've been talking about. But yeah, and I ought to also. You know, we, like I said, we talked. We didn't talk about it in depth, and f- frankly, we still haven't, and probably won't now that we've done our Brisson. We sh- we've shot our Brisson wide, but um, <laughs> uh, Al Hazard, Balthazar, and uh, Mouchette, uh, both of those, I definitely uh, would say their modes of transcendence at the end are very uh, different than the previous two movies. They're completely not bound by genre conventions. Right. Uh, obviously, pickpocket is kind of the redemption of love, uh, and you know, obviously, man escaped is a prison escape movie. But in Balthazar and Mouchette, the the moment of transcendence at the end is more allegorical and less uh, uh, wrapped up with the conventional pleasures of cinema. And I think they're more powerful because of that. Uh, you literally have a uh, a, a donkey. Uh, dying for the sins of the world <laughs> like it's you, you can't well i 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you, know, you, you you can go ahead. I was just gonna make a joke. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say you can't get more. Uh, you can't get more like metaphorical and transcendent than that. Like, and the same thing with Mouchette. Like the uh, the moment of transcendence is. Uh, I'm not gonna spoil it, uh, but it's uh, not exactly exciting and fun. Uh, but it's it's those two movies are closer to the heart of what Bresson is up to. I think he, he, he does nothing if not continues to refine his style, um, over, over the course of those four movies. So, um, so yeah, maybe, maybe one day we'll throw Mouchette in on a double feature or something. Well, I'll say this. I don't remember a ton about Balthazar. It's been a while, but I will say, uh, with full confidence now watch these two movies. Fuck that movie. Like you don't want to watch a movie about, uh, donkey Jesus getting tortured and, and dying. So, uh, okay, well the donkey yeah. doesn't get tortured. Um, Oh dude, his whole life is torture. What are you talking about? Well, you know, that's true. I can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> those little fuckers. Yeah. Fuck that movie. Uh, all right, you hear, heard it here first, folks. Uh, yeah, yeah, you heard it here first from like a completely unqualified person <laughs> who watches too many movies. Fuck that classic. <laughs> yeah, fuck Brisson. <laughs> uh, all right, well that does it for me. That's that's my. I, I'm I'm glad we did a Brisson episode. That was uh, that was good. Yeah, me too. Because you know I wasn't in the mood for it, but it ended up really being like something. Once again, another another blind spot I need it to, to kind of be filled in. So I, I, you know, honestly, I'll probably round out his filmography at some point simply because he doesn't really have very many and I'm not sure how many are available. Yeah. But I mean, he only, he only has uh 14 and I've watched, I think four of them at this point. So it's really not. And one of them's a short, so 13 features. Yeah, and I so. I really only think of those of those uh, fourteen. I think only about six or seven are kind of like readily available, like on the Criterion Channel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he's easy to get through. I, I would I would definitely recommend Mouchette. I uh, I had to think quite a bit before I uh, before I chose the movie. It's not to not to throw Mouchette in there, but it it really is uh, it really is something special. And you won't have any animal abuse. So, you know, there you go. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no donkey Jesus. Yeah, it's just a, it's um, just a little girl getting abused. Oh, that's much more tolerable. <laughs> um, right, let's wrap that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, guys, we, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, like we said, they're, they're available on Criterion. Go check them out. Uh, but also, those uh, don't forget, our top 10 episode came out. And let us know yours. You can hit us up on Twitter. At, uh, at at Silver Screen Video, or actually just at Silver Video. You can hit us up on Instagram. Obviously, you can email us if you want. But don't forget, uh, rate and review wherever you listen. That's a big help to us. Um, five-star review, if you can. If you're not going to, uh, don't review us. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, but yeah, we've committed to, uh, to remaining uh, uh, advertiser-free. Uh, so, you know, if you want us to keep doing this and we certainly want to keep doing it, uh, let's, let's get out there. Let's get into some more, let's get into some more households, you know, tell your friends, rate and review us, help us out with the algorithm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause the thing I plan on doing pretty soon is just picking this like really popular, like cinephile love director and just do nothing but talk shit about them the entire episode. Hell yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah. 
So anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we certainly enjoyed talking about it. And uh, Jacob, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? Now let's wrap it up. Okay, guys, thanks for stopping by the Silver Screen Video, and we will see you next week. Thank you.